On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Climber, if things are always going sideways for you in your music career, it might not be just bad luck. There's a possibility that you are a chaos addict. It's sneaky and it can kill your career before it even really gets started. So we're going to help you identify five ways that chaos addiction might be showing up and sabotaging you and your career. We don't want that to happen. We want you to win. So listen up, Johnny, do that thing. Welcome to the time. This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business this is the way to win this is the path to success you have to create leverage you have to create some success a track record that shows you know how to write songs that shows you know how to be an artist that you can make money and that you can get streams and when you develop this track record everybody will come out of the woodwork wanting to work with you. It's why we call it CLIMB, C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. That's a Baxter room for my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter, who is an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A, Joe Nichols, and more. Got a couple number ones in Southern Gospel, top 10 in Australia, top 10 in Texas radio, making moves, the boy is uh, relevant, still staying, still making it work. But what's more important to you, he helps songwriters like you turn pro by learning how to write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then on the regular, he's going to get you consistent opportunities to get in front of the pros so that you can create that relationship and start climbing that ladder your dang self. So you can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. And I want to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production, singular, no S, and there's no S because there is no other. Johnny D. How you doing, brother? Man, I'm doing well. I'm I'm fired. Very up. interested in in this uh, chaos addiction. Thing. Yeah, man. It I think it pairs well with the series that you have going on from the E Myth, okay, uh, by Michael Gerber. This is also based on a book that my sister sent to me. She had extra, so or she'd already read it, so she sent it to me. It's called Buy Back Your Time by Dan Martell. It's Get Unstuck, Reclaim Your Freedom, and Build Your Empire. Sounds like a Johnny kind of book. Yeah. And so I just finished it up, and there's some good stuff in here that I wanted to bring to, yeah, bring to the climb community. I love it. I love it. Well, before we get there, let's uh, let's take care of a little business first. Yes. Make sure that you join the climb community on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the climb community. If to ask to be let in, we let everybody in unless you look suspect like some kind of bot selling siding or a hooker. Mm-hmm. We get those two. <laughs> it's fascinating. So we have to ask to be let in. We let everybody in. Come on in, but be good boys and girls or you will be roadhoused out. Okay. The feed is for questions. If you got a question and you want to ask, hey, how do I do this? How do I do that? Mm-hmm. People are going to 
hoist, hoist you up and, and shower you with love and affection and knowledge in the community. And Brent and I chime in too. Mm-hmm. But if you're putting your own stuff in there, like th- these are your peers, guys. It's not the place where you're going to get a new fan for the quality of your song. Like mm-hmm. that, that, they're doing it too. But you might get a new fan if you ask the right question and they learn something. Or you, you might get I mean? a co-writer if you share your music on Music Monday and they dig what you do. Then, Good hey, point. there's a place for that. There is a place to share your music. So you never know. Good point. Yeah. So make sure that, and there, there's been a lot more activity on the feed. That's really good activity on the feed. Mm-hmm. We want to encourage that. We love it. Thank you to everybody who's been contributing. Yes. And yeah, if you know, on Mondays, that's, that's, we put your new music there on new music Mondays. There's a post every Monday. You can put it as a comment on that post on any day of the week, but that's where you find it. And then Wednesdays is new heights. Mm-hmm. Thursdays is the gig alert, man. Tell us where you're playing as a comment on those things. We're just very protective of the feed. We want to make sure it's always relevant to the entire community. Let's let's uh, shout out a couple wins here. Yeah, so every Wednesday we post the new heights, and you can post in there as a comment anytime, but the new ones drop on Wednesday. And I try to tag everyone in the group so you can see it. Uh, but this is a time where we get together and we share our wins and we celebrate with each other. So what I love seeing, not only are the wins, but people commenting and liking and, and the follow-ups on all the conversations that get going on the, on the win. So I love that. So here's a uh, climber, Cami Huff. She says, uh, I'll be recording some more originals in Nashville. So that's super exciting. And of course, Kale Martin jumps on there and says, Cami, I checked out your music and it's really, really great. Look at that. Good stuff happening. Nice. So, yeah, Cami. Yeah, I'm getting to know Cami's music. By the time this dropped, we will have already announced the. Uh, Wait, it's Cami with, with a C? K. A-M-I, hey. Huff. Oh, okay. Yes. Hi, Cammy. Sorry, I said Tammy. I meant Cammy. Uh, Cammy, yep. So Cammy's doing some good stuff. She just uh, recently had a song, I believe, make the top 10 for our uh, play for a publisher event at Songwriting Pro. So she had stuff in there battling it out, and the top 10, the on-hold stuff for Paul Compton, which uh, by this point you know, has already closed up. The winners are announced and everything. But so she's, you talk about connecting to the pros. She's going to be doing that. Yeah. Uh, which is cool. So congrats, Cammy. She's making moves. That's right. Uh, let's see. We have Kale Martin, speaking of him, who just commented on Cammy, said, a while back, I was inspired by a word on one of the Wordplay Thursdays. So Wordplay Thursday is something that I do on the songwritingpro.com website every Thursday. It's like a, just a little, uh, it's a, we give you a word or a topic just to get the wheels turning. It's a little creative Kickstarter. So we do those every Thursday on the website. We do them every single day in the private Facebook group for songwriting pro members. But this one was a wordplay Thursday. And so Kale says, I continued to work on the lyrics just for kicks. I entered in the American songwriter lyric contest and was notified last week that I was an honorable mention. I'm sure that a lot of people get honorable mention, but it's really cool. I don't, I don't think, think a lot, lot of people get, get honorable, honorable mention because <laughs> it's in the magazine. <laughs> It's in the magazine. I just got my new American Songwriter magazine, and there are only a few people. So yeah. I'm going to have to look for next month. I bet that's where Kale is going to be, and Kale is going to rock you. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, for the record, Kale, you know, American Songwriter magazine is not a like participation medal kind of institution. No. Right? Like, if you didn't win, you got honorable mention. That meant that they were fretting over. Yeah. If you should get in or not get in. And then they felt like it deserved an honorable mention because. Maybe you got outvoted uh, by one vote or something like that, but yeah. uh, that's that's it's pretty freaking awesome, man. It's a yeah. short list every month. So, Cami KL, that's awesome, and, and what I love about that is like the wind was inspired by Wordplay Thursday, doing the thing, engaging that, yeah. in the stuff, and going, oh, this is cool. I like what I'm getting. See what happens with that? You just got kickstarted. Next thing you know, that makes me so really happy. Is going. Thank you. All right, yeah, using the songwriting pro stuff. So love it. Love it. All right, so those are the wins. So. 
that uh, them and everyone else who listed a win. Thank you. Keep on climbing. There we go. All right. And make sure that you uh, follow the podcast on whatever platform you use so that you're able to access every single new episode as they drop. And finally, tell a friend about it. Mm-hmm. If it comes from you, it's 100% true if it comes from us it's 50 percent. that's right we sound like salespeople. correct you're like no dude check it out like you're gonna I mean, like it's this. still 100 true but you can like 50 percent trust it so yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so i ran across this concept of chaos addiction in this book recently which i'm holding up if you're following us on youtube which you should but it's called buy back your times by dan martell and i just thought the concept of the chaos addict made a lot of sense it was way too powerful not to share with the climb community because as always, we want you to win. I think a lot of our listeners will listen to the stuff and just be like, dang, that's me. So uh, hopefully it'll help you understand why you operate the way you do and maybe where some of your blind spots are and help you uncover them so you can deal with them and then have more success. So I want to get, send a shout out to my sister, Dion, who sent me the book over for Christmas. Hey, She's like, I've already read it. I want to send it to you. And I gobbled that sucker up. So it was really good. All right. So let's just dive into it. I'll be reading a lot from the book and adding like songwriting and music business twist to it. So this says about nine out of 10 of the entrepreneurs. So this is from Dan, the author, about nine out of 10 of the entrepreneurs I meet, tell me they had a chaotic upbringing. Formal research seems to back this up in a study. Researchers from the university of Queensland in Australia, good day, found that children with challenging childhood are more passionate about starting a business. Hmm. Interesting. So Steve Blank, a Silicon Valley entrepreneur and Stanford professor, has a theory he calls dysfunctional family theory. Uh, He says that good entrepreneurs have similar personality traits, including passion, tenacity, and remarkable comfort with operating in chaos. So this kind of dovetails with what you did on your last week. Wait, say that last part again. Remarkable what? So good entrepreneurs have similar personality traits, including passion, tenacity, and a remarkable comfort operating in chaos. Yeah. 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 They go uh-huh. with chaos. Right. So I thought that was interesting. And we've already established last week on your episode, Johnny, that if you're an artist, a singer, songwriter, indie artist, you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. So this applies to you. Okay. Are we reading your mail yet? Is this sounding familiar yet? Yeah. So he said, if startups in your music business, whether you're a songwriter, whether you're an artist, it's a startup, mm-hmm. right? It's a startup business. And it says, hey, these are inherently chaos. Well, then it makes sense that early childhood adversity can help build the muscles necessary to handle this chaos. Some of the possible positive outcomes from early childhood adversity. I just thought this was interesting. This is kind of foundational for this. So say chaotic childhood came home to a frequently untidy house. The entrepreneurial enablement here might be you can function relatively well in a disorganized environment. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a silver lining there. The chaotic childhood forced to solve atypical problems, such as providing emotional support for younger siblings, will help you to have an ever-present problem-solving mindset. Mm-hmm. So you're you're building, right? You're building muscle from this. You weren't sure where your next meal was coming from. Well, that helps you deal with the unknown with calmness. You're like, I've been here before. You know, that's not my first rodeo. You know that you figured out a way so far to stay alive. Exactly. It's not the first time I wonder where my next meal is coming from. If I can do that when I was 10, I can do that when I'm 30, right? <laughs> yeah. You're not afraid of not knowing where your next meal is going from. You don't like it. Right. But you're not afraid of it. And you know that you can. And you can deal with it versus someone who never had to deal with it before. It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. 
So chaotic childhood couldn't depend on adults for basic needs like a ride to soccer practice. So the entrepreneurial enablement here is you can manage excess responsibility because you've had to Mm -hmm. as a child, right? You've had to take care of your siblings, yourself, do things that are beyond your pay grade at that point, but you just had to. Next thing is dealt with abnormal childhood stress, so which enables you to deal with high dollar complex problems as an adult because ain't nothing new here. Yeah. I've been dealing with stress and stuff over my head my whole life. So I thought that was interesting. So hopefully put a silver lining on your childhood. It seems like pretty common among creatives, people in the music business, and just the people in general, pretty chaotic childhood. Mm-hmm. So there's some silver lining. But here's the bad news. Entrepreneurs can become so accustomed to stressful and unknown environments that they become downright addicted to chaos. Chaos can feel so normal that calm feels strange. Mm -hmm. So entrepreneurs have been so trained to dealing with stress, like making difficult decisions based on incomplete information and last minute changes that they're always looking for the next problem, even if it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So without a fire to pull out, basically, you know, we get inwardly anxious and we might start striking matches, right? (laughs) Yeah. So he said, I have a friend who sabotaged a multi-million dollar business deal just because it was going so well. And he started freaking out. <laughs> so he's kept finding reasons to stall the deal, make it not work. He wasn't even aware he was doing it. Uh, this is that self-sabotage that happens so often with so many people. I mean, this is like, you know, biz, straight up business, but in the creative world, come on. Mm-hmm. He said, once you're so addicted to chaos that it feels normal, you can accidentally look for it everywhere. And when you look for problems... You often create them, which weirdly reinforces your belief that everything's chaos. Mm -hmm. It's like the person who thinks everybody's staring at them. So they start getting all weird and fidgety. And pretty soon what happens? Everybody's Everybody's staring staring at them them because they're weird and fidgety. (laughs) Yes. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. Exactly. So I think, you know, Johnny, you, you think we're reading anybody's mail so far as far as artists and people you've worked with? Uh, lots of them. Yeah. I'm thinking of lots of people right now. Lots of them. Right. So hopefully this is going to be helpful. I'll be just transparent. I've been very blessed in this area. My parents are still together, but it was a very calm, stable household growing up. Not a lot of stress, not a lot of, it was not chaotic. Mm -hmm. And so I'm definitely coming at it from a different place. I still have, we're going to talk about some of these five ways that you can self-sabotage. I can still relate to many of these. But just coming at it from a different place. So I didn't have that kind of childhood. I'm thankful. Mm -hmm. I've had to build my entrepreneurial muscles in different ways, but just area of transparency there. So same with me. You know, I was very blessed to have like a pretty solid upbringing. There wasn't a whole lot of chaos. You mean your dad, the Marine, wasn't all about... That was the chaos. Like, yeah, when we were really young... it was probably structured chaos. (laughs) Structured chaos. It was structured (laughs) chaos. And it was predictable. It wasn't unpredictable, right? Like, when there was chaos, it was for a reason, and it meant you earned it. And there's... (laughs) Chaos, yeah. <laughs> I like. I like to think of those as consequences, Johnny. Yeah, that, those those are are con- also, yeah, AKA consequences. <laughs> but I will. T- I will say this: like, it's what's weird is this rings so true for me because. So, on that note, mm-hmm. when I first started doing the artist thing, like when I was in high school and you know in my late teens, very very early twenties, before I started touring, I was pretty friggin' wound up as an artist. Mm-hmm. Like if something didn't go perfectly the way I wanted to go, like I was pissed off and and very high strung. Mm-hmm. It affected everybody around me. Yeah, some people just didn't like it; they couldn't handle it. You know what I mean? I was not the chill person. And then 
you want to mainline chaos, go on the road. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. And the, yeah. the first time we went on the road, we were out for like a year. Oh, wow. You know, straight. Like we didn't come home for almost a year, right? Yeah. And that is like an alien, man. It, dude, <laughs> I mean, like, it, you know, we joked about it so many times, but, you know, the law of rock and roll that Murphy completely underestimated the problem. Right. right. And then you learn to just let go mm-hmm. of the things you cannot control. Right. And focus on the things you can control. Okay. We just got, you know, popped at a way station that wasn't supposed to be open on Sunday because the 24-foot rider truck carrying our production has bald tires that they're not going to let us go with. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to let us go. Like, what the hell is going to happen? We're going to get a big ticket. And then now we're late. And all this stuff. And, okay, what does this make possible? How are we going to get to the show and get the stuff set up on time? Mm-hmm. Who's going to do what? How are we going to divide up the duties to make sure that it happened? You know what I mean? Yeah. And you learn how to crisis manage like that. And after that... My soul, the chaos caused my soul to experience calmness. Like I, all of a sudden I'm comfortable in that. And I remember when I first moved to Nashville, after I got off the road, I thought I'd try this thing as a songwriter, see what goes on here. And there wasn't enough chaos for me. Like it was just this huge culture shock, you know, like where I was like, well, okay. Cause uh, you know, here I was the, the ringleader of the, of the three pole circus tent, you know, like yeah. it was insane. And now, it was a definite culture change. And there was, that was weird too. You know what I mean? So I can yeah. understand it from like both ways on that. So it's super interesting. Yeah. yeah. So overall, the subconscious need for uncertainty. So going back to the book, buy back your time. Uh, it says overall, the subconscious need for uncertainty and chaos comes out in one of five ways, which the, the guy here calls the five time assassins, as, sorry, the five time assassins to entrepreneurial success. So these are time assassins. So one, we, and I'll just read them off here, then we'll dive back into them. Okay. One, the staller. You sabotage your own success by hesitating on big decisions. Mm. Two, the speed demon. You make rapid decisions, such as hiring the quickest, easiest, cheapest option, then you find yourself in the same position again. Three, the supervisor. You fail to properly train, micromanaging others, failing to empower them to grow and learn. Four, the saver. You have money in your bank account, but you don't understand the value of spending it on growth opportunities. You let it grow like a nest egg instead of investing in your business. And five, the self-medicator. You turn food, alcohol, or other vices to reward yourself when you have success. Then you rush to the same destructive activities to escape failure or pain. Mm. So if you haven't read your mail yet, open your mail. We've already been in it. See our fingerprints all over it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. All right. So number one, the staller. So again, you're creating chaos for yourself because you're, you're addicted to it. And so therefore things can't just go smoothly. So how can I screw this up on some subconscious level, self-sabotage? So the staller, the staller drags his feet when opportunities come knocking. So it might be, you know, the publisher said, Hey, you do a songwriting pro event. And the publisher's like, man, let, let me know next time you're in town, we'll grab a coffee. And you don't make that call. Next time you're in town, right? Mm-hmm. The songwriter says, man, we, you know, they see you out at the climb takeover and they're like, you're really good. We should write sometime. Here's my number. Here's my, you know, here's my uh, Insta handle or whatever. Hit me up, DM me, whatever. And you just don't. You never lay down that work tape or that guitar vocal that your co-writers are waiting on. You just don't kind of get around to it. Or like a producer or publisher says, man, I, I dig your stuff. Yeah, send me some stuff. Mm-hmm. And you got their email. 
Why haven't you done that yet? Mm. Well, you just because things could go too well. Don't be scared of success, my friend. Mm. I remember hearing about at Blue Water when I was there when I first hit town. I remember talking to the to Keith, the creative manager, and he was so frustrated about this writer we had who's a hit writer, well respected. I mean, he's, he's a pro, right? He's a hit songwriter. And there was this big artist who's fairly new at the time, but a hit artist that like was a fan of this dude's work because he's also like an indie artist and as a writer and wanted to write with him. So like million dollar phone call. Mm. The writer just wouldn't make that phone call. Social anxiety Ugh. and just, I guess, just the need for cat just didn't. He's like, call them. He's like the old Andy Griffith episode. Aunt B, call the man. <laughs> you know, it just, <laughs> oh, the fridge isn't working. I want to save a couple. Call the man. You know, we got meat that's going to spoil in there. Call the man and Mount Pilot. So same thing. I remember him being so frustrated. I'm like, well, how is he not making that call? I'll make that call. I'll show up. Of course, I'm not that good of a writer. I'll show up, pretend I'm him. <laughs> Whatever I got to do. You know, he doesn't want to write me, but if that other guy will make the call, I will. You know, so it's a thing, man. You know, have, yeah. so. And that clearly happens uh, not just at the beginning of the journey. Like, no, no. Uh, all all along, throughout like, the journey. Right. It, like somehow your journey continues in spite of this kind of behavior. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of stories like that. Yeah. So he. You know, he talked about this guy that he's like, oh, this would be a great partner. I could bring this guy in. I could introduce him to my audience. We could do the same together. So I, you know, I trust, you know, this guy does good work. So I emailed him and like two weeks go by and I have no response yet. And by this point, he's just sitting in his inbox. Yeah. And they're like, this is a good opportunity for this guy. Because now I'm not going to, I'm not going to present him to my audience because he's a staller. Like, I can't trust that he's going to be on the ball. He's yep. not going to be Johnny on the spot. Right. Yeah. And so maybe the guy was thinking, Hey, I'll fail. I'll let my buddy down. You know, imposter syndrome, maybe all that stuff. Who knows? But either way, he's like, ah, no, that opportunity. I'm going to let, basically you're letting other people make that oppor- make that decision for you. You're putting it off mm-hmm. and letting them tell you no or letting them make that decision. You're just being too passive. So you're stalling. So that's, that's one of the ways that we create chaos for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Number two, you ready for number two? Yeah. Is the speed demon. So the speed demon makes you believe that you drive success by making decisions quickly as possible. So when you're following prey to the speed demon, you know, this says here, like you might haphazardly hire the first candidate you find, whether it's a, an aunt, a friend, or a mailman. This might be musicians, demo people, people to be in your band. Let's just go, 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 right? Or yeah. uh, if you get approached by management or by other things in the business, like go, go, go. But, okay, quick. You know, just make quick decisions. Or you forcefully select the first technology platform that you find, even if it doesn't really fit your needs. Mm-hmm. So as an artist, you know, you're going to have needs for platforms, that kind of stuff, email list, all that kind of stuff. And so you're just going to quickly kind of go with the first option. I think for, for songwriters, it may show up as you finish songs too fast. Like you don't grind, polish or rewrite, like onto the next song, on the next song, on the next song. Mm-hmm. And some great songs may get written that way just through reps. Like eventually good stuff happens. But is that a way of just avoiding, you know, hiding? Like I'm doing the work, but I'm not doing the last 5% of that work that could really. I, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote this many songs. Like, eh. yeah. Okay. But you need to write, like rewrite 95% of them yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. So it might be that, or it might be, you don't slow down enough to think or reflect on your business and how are things going? I think that's a, you know, it's, it's around, it's January. 
And so Johnny and I were talking before off air. It's like, man, this is the time of year that I reassess how am I doing business? What needs to change? What are some ways I can streamline this and do this better and more effectively? And so that's really important. John Dewey once said, we do not learn from experience. Mm. We learn from reflecting on experience. Mm -hmm. Without stopping to consider why something happened, you're unlikely to fix the issue. That's a good point. So you're speed demon. You're always going so fast. You don't stop and go, why is it the thump, the thump, the thump as I'm heading down the road? Yeah, <laughs> you might have a flat tire. You might want to just take a minute. <laughs> hey, <you> should yeah. <laughs> I don't have time to tighten these lug nuts. I'm in a hurry. <laughs> As a way of knowing that your freaking wheel's going to roll off in about two miles, and look, yay, more chaos for me. Then I'll have another project. I'll have something else to do. Now I got to change a tire, right? And do all this other crap I got to do. Yeah, you know, Stephen <laughs> Pressfield. We've referenced this book a lot in the War of Art. He calls it the resistance, and this may be one of the ways that resistance shows up as self-sabotage, mm. is like to keep you from doing your important work that you were called to do, going to create chaos for yourself. Mm. So some of it is just, I'm creating this so I can't mm -hmm. go write that song today, so I can't I'm go on the road with so-and-so, or whatever this opportunity is. Oh, I can't do it, man. My car broke down. Why? Because I purposely did not put oil in it for a year yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like it was a matter of time. You're like, this will come back. Oh, yay. More chaos. Right. So that's the speed demon. I think it may also show up as you're doing the guitar vocal could be better. The demo could be better. You don't want to be, have analysis paralysis and being so perfectionist that as Seth Godin says, you never ship, mm -hmm. but you go through so fast as a way of kind of self-sabotage and causing chaos, mm -hmm. you know, diving into stuff too fast. So that's, that's the speed demon. Uh, you also have the supervisor. When you hire someone and then do their job for them, you're in danger of the supervisor. The supervisor is the opposite of the speed demon. So haunted by the supervisor, you either like micromanage others or just take over completely. So this might be you hire a demo musician or singer and then just redo all the parts yourself. Mm -hmm. Or you just totally squash your creativity and their soul in the room by micromanaging them. So you end up getting a worse performance because you've just ripped their lungs out in, in the booth. Yeah, you're not empowering them at all because no, you're, you're doing the opposite, right? Yeah. You're making them feel like crap. Yeah. Yeah. And you're self-sabotaging. Then it's causing chaos because maybe then there's drama. Now they hate you and, mm -hmm. or it's like micromanaging or you do it yourself. So it's just right, but it takes forever, which is kind of stalling as well. But like you're micromanaging mm -hmm. uh, or you have an admin team, but you just do it all yourself. Johnny, in your last episode, it made me think of this because like you're not the accountant, mm -hmm. right? Your dad handles like all the bouncing, all the books, all that stuff. Cause you're like, I have no interest in that. I hate it. And I'd screw it up or whatever. Hey, same thing with me and why blue water works for me. Now I used to work for them. Now they work for me. I'm an admin client of theirs. And so they handle licensing. They handle, you know, royalty collection. They handle all the stuff, licensing songs mm -hmm. around the world, copyrights, all that, making sure all the, what, T's are crossed and the I's are dotted to collect the money and they send it to me. They keep a share for themselves, which is cool because they deserve it. They earn it. They're adding value. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I do that because, you know, so the supervisor would be like, well, I'm still going to go in and I'm going to kind of handle all this stuff and step into it and step on their toes and, and do their job for them. Like, what am I paying them to do? Yeah. Let them do it. Yeah. Right. right. I don't need to be sticking my finger in the pie and causing chaos. For one thing, I have them do it because they know what they're doing. They, you know, they specialize in that. They're good at it. Mm -hmm. 
I don't have to take time away from writing songs or recording podcasts or doing songwriting pro events to do it. And I would lose money. Like the, the percentage I would keep by firing them, I'm going to lose just in bleed from royalties that I never collect, songs I never write. You know, it's like financially, it's an investment. Yeah. To let them do it. But the supervisor is going to step in and every step of the way be like, hey, have you heard back from this vanity, pro- you know, or this small little artist who, you know, I'm going to make like 45 bucks off this song and I'm checking every day to see if they sent the license back in. And what about this language on that? What about that? Just let them sl- shut up. Let them cook. You're not going to make that much money off it anyway. What are you doing? I'm causing chaos. So I don't have to go write a song. Yeah. Or, or the supervisor just, you know, the I think another sort of sub genre or, or sub mm-hmm. category of, of the supervisor is the, you know, the person who just won't delegate at all. Yeah. Right. I'm just going to do it myself. Right. Yeah, exactly. Either because in the time it takes me to teach you, I can just do it myself, mm-hmm. which is like the dumbest friggin' thing ever I've ever heard. Right. It's like, yeah. okay, but once the first time, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, it's a money thing, right? They're like, no, no, I'm going to save money by doing this myself. Mm-hmm. And they're not thinking about the big picture. Right. Now, I'm saying this because like in some corporate content that I'm creating for Daredevil now, I'm trying to get this message across on on where you spend your time, mm-hmm. right? And what's your highest and best use? Yes. And I remember when I bought my first house in LA and I put in, like I spent a lot of money on a backyard. Mm-hmm. That was non-existent. I put that in. I had a buddy of mine that was, he made a bunch of money too. He sold jets for Hawker Beechcraft and he came over and he catches me shopping for lawnmowers. <laughs> you know, he's like, what are you doing? Yeah. I'm like looking for lawnmowers. Like why? Yeah. I'm like, dude, I just spent a fortune on that lawn. Are you kidding me? Like I, I'm, I'm going to take care of it. He's like, yeah, but like, you don't want to do that. Why do you want to do that? And I'm like, well, I, you know, cause I'm thinking I'm going to say, I'm going to do it myself. And it's like, do you get some kind of cathartic response from him? I'm like, no. And he's like, he said, how much money did you make last year? And then I told him, and he goes, all right, now let's divide that up. And we came down to an hourly wage. Yeah. He goes, that's how much you're going to pay your lawnmower if you do it. Yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah. He goes, that's ex- friggin' expensive, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, does that come with like hookers and heroin? Like that is one expensive lawnmower, you know? Right. Like go get the guy there because even if he's mowing your lawn and you're relaxing on the couch, watching a Packer game, Mm-hmm. That's needed downtime for your brain to reset and do yeah. and focus on your highest and best use, which is what you're doing to provide for your family and make money and to grow your business. And it's that, that delegation thing matters, man. Mm. You know, like I could save money if I didn't pay for my accountant, if I didn't pay my bookkeeper, which is essentially my father, you know, I pay him. Yeah. And hell no. I, I, you know, like I don't want that. Just the cognitive load. That would be something that I would then turn into the procrastinator, the, the first one, oh. where I'm like, I'm not going to touch it because I loathe it. I, right. I just, I mean, just like a root canal. And that's going to cause chaos. Yeah. And it's going to cause chaos down the line when yep. something isn't paid or whatever. Something's going to go off the tracks. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, I agree with that. I have to confront that, you know, because as I have more help on stuff, mm-hmm. like, my son, Ozzy, he'll, he just came in you know, between episodes here and he's like, hey, I finished Buffer. Buffer is an app that I use to schedule my Instagram post. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I post live. Sometimes it's like quote cards on the climb or it's different things. And it's just they're queued up. So they drop some consistently, hopefully dropping helpful content for, for songwriters. And so I have a stack of stuff and I have I've outlined how to do it. 
like, okay, you know, these are the time slots and let's just kind of do this kind of mix of, of this kind of content. So Ozzy would go in and schedule him for two weeks out or whatever. And once a week he goes in and just updates you for another week. And, you know, so just stuff I don't have to do. Mm -hmm. Now, does that mean every single post that is, is exactly what I would post at that time or mm -hmm. exactly how I do it? What? No. But as they say in this book, 80% done by somebody else is 100% awesome. Yeah. Yes. I like that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I could do it myself and I might tweak some stuff here and there and I might be able to upgrade the comment a little bit more. But really, what's my highest and best use? It's not that. Yeah. Like, I want to help. I want to help people and, and I want to help grow the brand, that kind of stuff. But it's like, uh, I got other stuff that are really going to, you know, what's really going to help me grow my brand, write another song and go get another cut. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to help my brand more than having slightly upgraded Instagram post. Like I said, I still post sometimes live, you know, sometimes that's me and sometimes it's me preloaded, mm -hmm. but 80% done by somebody else is hundred percent awesome. I mean, I, I think about Ren, you know, oh, like man. right yeah. now, like I'm thinking like we should hire a secret service team just to always protect Ren from anything <laughs> that could possibly happen to him because <laughs> the last thing in the world that I want to be faced with is having to edit the freaking podcast again. You know what I mean? Yeah. So grateful for what he does, you know? Yeah. And, and it's just a little bit of runway to get him going, but he, he's yeah. doing fantastic with it now. You know, I trust him implicitly. I don't even listen anymore unless I happen to be listening to a podcast. Yeah. All the time that you and I invested into mm -hmm. teaching him how to do that. Yeah is paying us back in spades now. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, are there going to be some choices that he would make that you would make different choices? Sure. Because there's an art as well as a craft to it. Yeah. And there's going to be some things where like, oh, I would emphasize this. I'm not going to worry about what it's going to be a little bit different, but you know what? It's good enough. It's good. <laughs> right? it's, it's good. He's, he's doing a good job. It's good. Like, yeah, it works. We have never gotten any complaints. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I don't even listen anymore and think like, ah, I would have done something like when I, when I, occasionally when I, i'll listen back to one mm -hmm. but no like i don't not that it just it's non-existent now yeah you don't have to think about it now you can because your highest and best use is like creating the content yeah not editing it yep so that kind of stuff so that's the uh that's the supervisor supervisor would go in and re-edit everything that ren already did yep. or sit on his shoulder and and do it all while he's doing it. it's like why mm -hmm. why are you doing that so it's a way of making self-sabotage number four is the saver so the, the fourth assassin is the saver. This one infiltrates the entrepreneur who's only saving money, not reinvesting it. So once the saver gets a hold of you, you've created a false sense of success by hoarding a nest egg. So this is just interesting. So it's basically the person that won't reinvest back in their thing, but it's like, I'm saving, I'm saving it. So he talks about this. Um, he goes every month, he goes, I have a buddy, Kyle, who called me. He runs a multimillion dollar mastermind for entrepreneurs. So it costs like 40,000 a year to join his monthly mastermind right huh. so this guy's bringing a huge revenue so he had almost 50 members when he called me frustrated like because there's just all this work to do this super high-end curated yeah. thing every month he's getting, a lot of content that they expect to get to look good this event professional yeah, yeah this event has yeah, everyone's different and he's just killing himself doing this he's getting paid bank but he's killing himself he's like oh man they got to come up with this curriculum it's just kill me he's like well i got this buddy that does it you know he's, he's high end too but you know he can handle all that and so so i told him that that i know this guy that would probably charge less than ten thousand to help him put together this curriculum and he's like man does he have a 20 dollar book i can read he's like wait a second 
He's like, no, no, he doesn't. Uh, he's like him and high. He's like, so instead of spending $10,000, which is only one fourth of one member's fee to join his mastermind. He's got he 50. Up, yeah. He was willing to burn out and risk a growing multi-million dollar business to save a few bucks. Yeah. So the problem with being excellent at fixing problems is that sometimes you want to fix them even when they don't exist. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing of going. Hey, that's why I hire someone who to sing my demos or to record my demos. If the co-writer is not quality at doing that themselves. Yeah. yeah. Why? I could save a few bucks by singing my own demos, but it's going to cost me every single cut I could have gotten off that song because it's going <laughs> to sound terrible. <laughs> that's right. All tuned up like weird sounding. Oh, it would just... <laughs> Just, oh my gosh, I can't imagine. So yeah, I could save a few bucks on the front end, but how much is it going to cost me on the back end, right? Okay, so on that note, like what I'm thinking about right now is, you know, a couple different interactions I've had with record labels Mm. and their inability to face the devil they don't know. Yeah. To stay with the devil they do Mm -hmm. know with, you know, with digital marketing. And I think about... To, to get out of the groove that they have, you know, they're like, if we spend $5,000 on digital marketing, when do we get 5001 back? Right. Well, what'd you spend on the last single you guys released? And uh, how'd you market it? Radio. What'd you spend and when'd you get it back? We didn't. We didn't get it back. We spent six figures or seven figures. Yeah. Didn't get it back. So can we start the conversation here? Like, well, you know, that's clearly not important to you, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you'll swallow an elephant, but strain on a gnat. Right. Yeah. They want $5,000 in digital marketing to beat a million dollars worth of radio spins. And then they're going to give it some serious thought. But what they should be doing is really R&D is spending a little bit of discretionary income to try to go play in the sandbox and figure out how to make it work. Mm-hmm. And the other label I'm thinking of is when I went in and they were trying to get an artist on the radio. They're going to go to radio tour. But before they spent was could probably easily be three and a grand on radio tour with this artist. Mm-hmm. They knew radio wouldn't talk to him because he didn't have a big enough digital presence. That's why I'm called in, right? Because they got pain. Yeah. So Johnny, how much should we spend on these digital ads? You know, I'm like, what you should spend on radio, you know, 30, 50 grand a month. Yeah. Oh, we'll never get the guy to sign off on that. And I'm like, okay, well, so I boiled it down to this. I took all the risk away and said, okay, I'll take my, you can pay my fee at the end of the month if and only if you feel like I moved the needle enough, mm-hmm. but guarantee me a minimum of $10,000 in Facebook ads, mm-hmm. knowing that when the needle starts to move, you're going to ramp it up to 30 to 50. But already at that point, you already know it's a winner. You already know it's accomplishing what you wanted to accomplish. And 10 grand, couldn't do it. <laughs> and then the next week, I get a call from a buddy. So there's no risk, right? Yeah. I get a call from a buddy next week. He's like, knows the whole story. Mm-hmm. And he was like pissed because they just signed, you know, they just recently signed the last couple of months, a new female artist, and they just spent 10 grand on her effing birthday party, <laughs> but they won't spend 10 grand on R and D yeah. right on like, like just trying something, you know what I mean? And so it's kind of like that same thing. It's like, man, what are you investing in the right things or the wrong things? Yeah. Like to make sure that you're ahead of that curve, you know, to, to learn because you know, winner's coming with radio. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's sad. And that's, for some people, it's creating chaos, right? Or Mm -hmm. they think they're being smart, saving for a rainy day, but they're going to, they're doing a rain dance. 
at the same time. Mm-hmm. All right, number five is a self-medicator. So he goes, in 2005, I was a self-medicator. So this is the author, Dan, speaking. He goes, by then I was 25, running my third business, a technology company, and Yale called me. He goes, for me, it was it was ironic. I'd skipped college entirely. I never dreamed of setting foot inside a prestigious university. Now Yale was asking me to set up their software program. So you know, I flew to New Haven, Connecticut, picked up my rental car, and I called my dad to share my excitement. After a day's work setting up the services, I was ready to celebrate. I asked around where I could grab some sushi, and they told me same place. So I go there, and I have some sushi and some sake to celebrate. And I celebrated with way too much sake, basically. All right. So when I woke up the next morning in my hotel room, I was still drunk. I called in sick. Food poisoning was all I could come up with. In 24 hours, I went from hero to zero. That's what the self-medicator loads up on his victims pushing people to self-sabotage to celebrate and self-sabotage to escape. Whether you win or lose, the self-medicator wants to you know, eat up your chances of success tomorrow. Land a huge contract, drink. Lose a huge contract, drink. Drink. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, there's there's a whole lot of that in the music business. Oh, yeah. There are plenty of reasons to drink, as uh, I think, what is his name, uh, Cole, oh, what's his name, Justin Moore said. It's like always a reason to drink in this town. Yeah, that's right. And so, yeah, are you doing that just to cause sabotage in your career? Yeah. I mean, that's that's a definite real thing. Yeah, there's whether it's up or down, either way, the answer is the same. Yeah, to the point of, Party, to the point of excess. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you go out and have a beer, whatever. But if it's causing chaos and there's that downside, yep. then it's messing up your next day. Like I had a bad day today, didn't get some cut. I'm going to go out and drink, show up still drunk to my co-write tomorrow and screw that up too. It's like in football or any sort of sport. They're like, don't let one loss become two. Yeah. Don't let that team beat you twice. They beat you on the field or on the court tonight. Don't let them beat you next game because you're still not over it. And they're not even in the game. You're with another team. No, it's a different team, <laughs> yeah. but they're going to beat you twice because you're so belly aching and taking it hard on the loss you just had. No, you got to have that. Forget about it. Turnaround mindset. Oh, I've never heard that. I like that. I like that. Don't let, yeah, don't let them beat you twice. You got to let go of it, prep for the next win. That's right. So it's same thing with, I mean, or a victory, you know, don't snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Like, yeah, I had a great meeting with this, whatever, great first day in the studio. And I show up hammered the next day yep. in the studio. And now the producer's like amateur, Yeah. you yep. know, or whatever yep. it is. It's like They don't care how the clock works. They don't care why. They just know what time it is. Exactly. This is what's going on. I don't want to have any part of it. Yep. Yeah, I ain't got time for that. Yep. So he he says here, you know, you want to give your life to production. Like each of the time assassins hurting your production in the long run for the sake of chaos. But in the immediate term, you're you're zapping your time. So the staller won't let you move past big decisions. Get that demo done. Call that person for that million dollar co-write, whatever that is. The speed demon ensures that you keep making the same mistakes because you don't stop and reflect on how's that working out for you, as Dr. Phil would ask, right? Mm-hmm. The supervisor ensures that, you're, that your time never upgrades, meaning you'll spend more and more frustrating hours on tasks that you're only mediocre at at best. In other words, you know whether it's a booker, booking agent, or recording your own demos, laying down your guitar when you're not the guitar player, you're just a great vocalist, or whatever that is, right? The saver is tricky. So he tells you to save your money, costing you time. You're agonized over a $100 purchase that could have saved you 10 hours, right? Mm -hmm. So saver's tricky. And then the self-medicator is perhaps the hardest to detect as he often sneaks up on you in the form of celebration. But a night of celebration can easily turn into sleeping late, robbing you of precious hours of productivity the next day. Mm -hmm. 
So it says statistically entrepreneurs are more prone to having chaos addiction. So you got to watch out for that. Definitely as an artist, as a creative, like some people are just, man, we run on chaos and that's our happy place. And you got to watch out for that because it's going to hurt you in the long run. That's right. I love that. That's good stuff, man. Yeah. So the last, he has every, every chapter is like buyback rules. So I'm just going to share these with you and we'll close up here. So one, you want to uh, research confirms. So just kind of in summary, research confirms that business coaches have observed for years. Most entrepreneurs are addicted to chaos. So this probably applies to you because you're an entrepreneur. Two, your ability to deal with chaos gives you an entrepreneurial advantage. Like again, Johnny on the road, learning how to deal with chaos, that's an advantage, Mm -hmm. but it can also make you subconsciously seek out chaos, which is a disadvantage. Three, your chaos addiction shows up as one of the five time assassins, the staller, the speed demon, the supervisor, the saver, or the self-medicator. Four, most people bounce from one assassin to another without facing the root problem, chaos addiction. Mm -hmm. And number five, becoming the person you want to be requires that you get real with any of your demons. So I just want to encourage that, you know, if you see yourself in this, then, okay, you got some work to do. Now what's going to happen? We all have work to do. Yeah. Welcome to the club. We all have work to do. <laughs> yeah. But maybe this this will help you figure out, okay, oh, that's the area. That's what that is. Yeah. Well, I didn't know what gremlin was pulling my engine apart in the middle of the night. Now I know. Now I'm on a gremlin hunt. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that's going to be helpful for you. But anyway, just killer book, really helpful. There's a lot of other stuff in here that's helpful. But again, that book is Buy Back Your Time by Dan Martell. So thank you again, Dion, for sending that my way. Hey, I have a gift for you if you're in the reading kind of mind. I have a free PDF download for you. It's called Six Simple Ways to Make Your Songs More Commercial. So if you want to get a little less chaos and more fun, write some commercial songs, get some good stuff happening. It's my gift to you. You can get it at six, the number six simpleways.songwritingpro.com sixsimpleways.songwritingpro.com it's just some of what I've learned in my years in the music business getting cuts not getting cuts here are some some ways to upgrade your songs and you can thank me later and just invite me to the number one party and that's what I got awesome man good job I love that stuff thank you that brings us to the end of another Killer Climb episode hope you learned something guys this uh, podcast exists because we want you to win we do so keep on climbing and we'll see you at the top. achieve the American dream, the big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship. The studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. 
I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.